here we are, and welcome to Set the Table, Episode 2, uh, brought to you in part by Red Hoodie Games. I am John Skoda, uh, owner of Red Hoodie, and aspiring game designer um, and general junior nerd. Uh, with me is my co-host, my dad, Jack, uh, an Hello. nerd, a professor who teaches a history of role-playing games course, as well as somebody who engages in all manner of of general nerdery. Uh, welcome. Thank you. So on episode one, we uh, sort of introduced ourselves and, and talked about our own histories playing roleplay games and and where we are now, where we have come from, the games that we have played, what games we currently play, and why we are talking about tabletop gaming. Um, the large draw to that being that more often than not when people are trying to get into tabletop role-playing games they will seek out content online be it youtube or reddit or what have you and will look for or make posts asking hey i'm the new dm what do i do please help and so while communities like that uh, wherever you find them are great sources for those sort of things. Uh, we thought that it would be a valuable resource to provide a running show that talks about all things being a dungeon master, game master, table master, headmaster, whatever. Storyteller, game mother, referee, game mother. judge. Oh, that the new alien. You're not a. G, you're the GM is the game mother. Ooh, okay. Because the computer in the alien spaceship was mother. All right, nice. So hey. Before you get rolling on, on what we're going to talk about this week, what have you played since the last show? Um, I haven't. Well, like general games or tabletop games? Tabletop games. Oh, um, well, so my it's been holidays after holidays, so my D&D group is taking a, a little break. Bunch um, of pansies. We played through the holidays. I know. It was just, like... It's, <laughs> I I have already had a, a hard enough time scheduling with everybody, and that should be a future episode uh, scheduling. Um, but otherwise, uh, the only tabletop thing that I've played has been the Catan dice game, which Callie got for Christmas. I wonder where she got that. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder. <laughs> so I have my group continued to play through the holidays. Uh, we played, I played another, I'm, my continuing saga of fifth edition, um, which is funny because we added a new player to our group nice. and added a new character to the party. And my character is a Smurf Neblin bard and she is a college of whisperers bard. So she inspires terror, terror in people. Uh, and I'm a bit of a method actor, so when I'm doing vicious mockery, I try to come up with something that mocks the person that I'm fighting. And when I do my words of terror, uh, I write a little story or I come up with a little, like, a, you're going to terrorize this guy. And my Smurf Neblin was an accountant. Her backstory is she was an accountant in a drow house. Uh, so she's hung around with drow elves for more years than she probably would like to. So she related the story of how she got her ebony skin boots uh, to a giant who almost stepped on her. 
And then she threatened the giant with flaying his hands while he was still awake and conscious and making slippers out of his palms. And this new player is is sitting through this like, oh, (laughs) and all the other players are like, we're really scared of Dalreya. We're really scared of Dalreya. She's the boss and we don't challenge her. And and when he's a rogue, so he's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to pickpocket her. And everyone else in the party is like, oh, no, she'll take your finger like. She'll do, do it. it. She'll do it. So then, so then they kind of read him. So he got to read some of that backstory, and he was like, "Oh yeah, I'm not pickpocketing that lady." Nice. <laughs> so, so that was my my played my fifth edition, and then our DM is gonna take a break, and I'm gonna get to GM Game Mother, the new Alien uh, role play game. You're starting that on Monday, right? On Monday, I'm starting that. Yep, we're gonna play. Uh, we're going to play on roll 20 and the game is out of gas on LV426 because that's how the game starts. You're in a ground vehicle. You're coming back to uh, Hadley's Hope, which is the setting of the second Aliens movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, about a month before the Sulaco arrives and, and the movie starts. Um, but the colonists have been infected and that's all I'm going to say so far. Okay. Very cool. It's gonna be a lot of fun. It's gonna be very. It's a. It's a horror. Well, we'll talk about genres here in a minute. We'll talk about sci-fi and horror genres and and that kind of stuff. So. Indeed. So that's um, what we played. Do you have any space in that game? Um, I could. I could make space in that game, if you wanted to play a little alien. Uh, maybe. Maybe that might be a, a fun thing to record as well. Um. It. W- it could be. Yeah. Yep. But we we can talk more about that later if you'd like. Later, yes. So for now, uh, in this episode, our episode two, um, in episode one we talked a lot about how you get started, and there are lots of things to touch upon. Um, But one of the things that we lingered on a little bit was picking a genre and picking a game system. Um, In all of our examples from episode one, we sort of run with the assumption that your group has already selected a system to play with. Um, and most folks, I don't want to say most because I don't know the proportion on it. My guess would be a majority of people playing tabletop role-playing games are playing D&D. Um, and folks are getting into D&D being that it is mainstream. Uh, you've seen it on YouTube. You saw the references to it in Stranger Things. That was a big bump to, to yep. D&D um, patronage. And it's it's really only the the only mainstream One. tabletop RPG. Um, I think if you were to ask people, you know, on the street, hey, what role-playing games have you heard of? I feel like 8 out of 10 people would say Dungeons and Dragons. One person would say nothing, and maybe one other person would say something different. Um, maybe they would think it in a naughty context. Oh, sure, right? You know, role play. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, my wife and I, and whatever. Who are you to ask me questions like that? Yeah, yeah. mind your business. We did spend a lot of time in the first show talking about genres of role play games and how. Well, Dungeons and Dragons is in the mainstream, and it's the you know oh that's the number one game. Right. Um, it's not a bad game. Don't get me wrong; I play it every week. I right. uh, have a lot of fun playing it. Um, but there are games that I would 
rather play. There are better role playing systems out there, and it when you're it's it is a combination of the style of game you want to play and the setting that you're most comfortable in. And and there are a plethora, a smorgasbord, a massive list which we're about to go into here that talks about the different genres and games and styles and and that kind of stuff. So D&D is is one system. It might be the most popular and as you have noted it is uh typically one setting. You've got the fantasy settings within the the D&D canon. Um but like we were talking about on episode one, what if you want to play a sci-fi game? Can you do sci-fi with 5e? You could, but you're using 100% homebrew content. No, 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 my friend. Okay. No. Um, Goodman Games just released Expedition to the Barrier Peaks, which Gary Gygax wrote for Origins 20-some-odd years ago. And it is a... He got a lot of pushback from that because... In Expedition to the Barrier Peaks, published by TSR, which is canon, your adventurers find a crashed spaceship. Oh, okay. Well, so I sit corrected. So it's it's it it's gets that module is one of those that you either love it, and I'm in that camp, so I'm just throwing my biases right out there. <laughs> I love Expedition to the Barrier Peaks, uh, or you hate it because I don't want my elf archer having to engage in android in combat. Or you were like me and didn't know that it existed. <laughs> or you don't know that it exists. But it does, the, there is, in, in, the, in the old AD&D system, yeah, Gygax wrote, and I just, I just got the hardcover. So Goodman Games has been, re, re, not to do a commercial for Goodman Games, hey, do, do Joseph, that. if you want to sponsor us, we'll do it, but... They've been publishing some of the very historical modules, and when we have the show on modules, I'll bring them and show them to the camera and stuff. But uh, that's one of them. That's one of those like classic, like Tomb of Horrors, which got a lot of uh, press for the Ready Player One book. I haven't seen the movie yet, but the book was amazing. Uh, and, and you know, people have this concept of these original modules, and and that's that's one of them. So yeah. You can do sci-fi in a fantasy setting, a crossover genre. Sorry, didn't mean to derail you yet again. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. Uh, but so what about pirates? What about space pirates? What about something that is more psychological, something more horror? Uh, maybe it's a more complicated system that has lots more options for player creation and weapons and equipment. Uh, what about a system that's really easy to learn for your non-gamer friends? Um, that's sort of what we're talking about tonight. Uh, and so I wanted to start by just identifying... We keep saying system, like everybody should know what that means, and I think that that is a mistake on our part. So what is a tabletop role-playing game system anyway? So I'm going to... I'm going to separate out... Um, I'm going to use two... I'm going to borrow two terms here crunch and fluff so crunch and fluff watch my hands on the screen that's bad i don't know <laughs> i don't know if you're an audio about. listener you can't see him but he's dividing two categories i don't so on the left i'm gonna over here on the left hand side you've got crunch 
And what do I mean when I say crunch? Those are the mechanics. How does the game function? What are the numbers I write down on my paper and what do they mean? And I've decided I'm going to, I'm going to pick that person's pocket as I walk by. What dice do I roll and what's the probability that I'm going to succeed? Though that's crunch. The the probabilities, the the way I determine random numbers. There's some role play games that use cards. Most role play games use dice. Uh, some role play games don't use anything. They're they're diceless. There are diceless role play games. Um, but that's what I mean when I talk about crunch. And when we when we talk about the system. It's the crunch plus the fluff. So over here on the right-hand side, uh, the fluff is the, the story, the fiction, the theme, the genre. If you're playing uh, Dungeons, classic Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition, you're playing in a high fantasy game. And if you want to talk about fluff... Um, Gosh, I don't know if there's a system out there that has more fluff than D&D. And that's all the books and and we when we talk about um the marketplace and how books are published, I mean we talk about splat books. Right? If you go into a bookstore or a friendly local game store and you see a wall of books about Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition, that's great, but then if you let's say you're at Barnes and Noble, you go around the corner and then there's a wall of books by people like uh, R.A. Salvatore and Ed Greenwood and uh, Lisa Smedman. And I'm leaving out a num hundreds, well, not hundreds, tens, dozens of other authors where you can then read about adventures in Faerun, which is the land of Dungeons and Dragons. And there's a whole, I mean, do a Google search. You'll find the history thousands of years of history and characters and locations and that's all the fluff so the system is the crunchy bits the which dice i'm going to punch that guy what do i need to roll you take a d20 and you've got to roll a 17 or better okay oh, i rolled a one. Oh, that means <laughs> that means this other thing over here blah 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 yourself in the face yeah, you, you catch your sleeve and rip your coat open as you swing and totally miss. And then there's the fluff, and, and that's the uh, who is Drist Dwarden and who is Bruner Battlehammer and what are the main festivals of um, the land and why do they you – know, in Faerun, everyone measures time in 10 days instead of seven days of a week. It's 10 fingers, that kind of stuff. That's all fluff. You can play a game without the fluff, and you can play a game and mod. So when we talk about house rules, there are house rules that deal with the crunch, because sometimes games get really, really crunchy. Yep. <laughs> so there's lots of when we get to GURPS. Uh, GURPS is a fantastic system, but it is very, very. I mean, I when I GM GURPS, I have a flowchart for combat that I use because there are, I don't want to say 47, but it feels like there are 47 steps to, <laughs> okay, this person targets this person, this person has initiative without surprise. This is the die with the modifier that you roll. 
if you hit, then you determine damage minus the damage resistance from their armor plus the modifiers for the weapon, blah, 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 blah. And then, yeah, okay, cool. It's, that's that's a really crunchy system, and people will make house rules to modify the crunch, either to make the game more difficult, more realistic, or easier. And then the same, not necessarily easier, but more streamlined. Right, faster to play. Right, yep. and then on the fluff side of the house, same thing. We've I've played uh, Vampire the Masquerade, uh, Werewolf crossover, and we had a player who just wanted to play a werewolf and they weren't they didn't buy into the whole uh story and cosmology in the world of darkness around werewolves they just wanted to be the bad guy from the howling and it's like i'm a i'm a werewolf i'm a monster i just want to eat people and and rip rip people to shreds like why can't i hang out with vampires it's like well According to the cosmology of the world and all this fluff, you know, you're mortal enemies, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, ah, that's bullshit. Oh, okay, fine. You're, you know, we'll just set aside all that other stuff and we'll have some fun. So that's the system, the crunch and the fluff put together. And then you can house rule either side or both. Right, right. So it's your, your set of rules through which you play. Uh, it is the books and stories which explain about the history of the people, the monsters, the items that all live there. Um, but at the end of the day, your system is how you play a particular game. If you don't have any experience tabletop role-playing games at all, I would recommend going back to episode one and sort of getting the, the sort of overview episode to that. Um, and then once you want to start getting into playing games, uh, you'll have to pick a system and then find people that want to play that system. So if you're players, you'll have to find a DM or GM or, or whichever title uh, to run that game for you. And if you are a DM GM, you have to find a group of people that want to play the adventure, the style of world, the the crunch, the fluff that you want to DM for. Um, we talked about it a lot in episode one, but it should be fun for you running the game as much as it should be fun for your players. Um, so make sure that there is some degree of alignment in what players and DMs want to play. So uh, we have a big list of potential systems that you could play. Um, we don't have the time to talk about all of them in depth. And we're going to leave, and we're going to leave your, whoever is listening to this, we're going to leave your favorite system out. We're totally doing that on purpose because you are going to, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding. There's a big um, slash S at the end of all of that. Yes, I am. That's totally sarcastic. We are going to miss things. We are going to completely skip, but um the genesis system supports android netrunner and you've totally forgot about android netrunner for sci-fi yep yep you're absolutely right totally forgot about android netrunner um yeah it's the 20th most popular board game or role play game on this website over here and yep we're we're big dummies we're sorry we're gonna forget it we, we just we can't list them all if we tried to list every single role play game by genre um this would be a really year. It'd be, It'd be all we a did really in 2020. 
it'd be really boring too. Sci-fi. Yes. This one. Sci. And and these are our opinions about where these games fit. Also, yes. So, right, if I put I'm going to put Space 1889 in Steampunk. And if you're like, "Oh, that's crap. That's science fiction." Yep. It, okay. We, you know, send me an email. Yeah, please do. <laughs> um but but we'll we'll touch on on just about everything that we can all the stuff that we know about <laughs> yeah at least right there's more stuff too that we don't know um, yeah we're not experts we're just a couple of guys that like games so let's start it real easy you have learned about D through one of the mainstream channels whether that is youtube or uh you were really into stranger things uh, you found the books in your parents' basement over the holidays. Um, you have heard of D&D. You like the fantasy genre. So what if you actually want to run a high fantasy game? Um, obviously, you can you can play D&D, and we've talked about that enough. Um, but what else? Well, what else is there? hang on. <clears throat> oh, okay. They can play 5th edition, which is the newest version of D&D. Yeah, if they got hooked on Stranger Things, they could go back and get the BX Basic and Expert Edition through the Osric, the open source um, role play game center. Um, there are D and D three point five, right? So there, are, when you say D and D, right? That that's a continuum of games starting from nineteen seventy to today right 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 now yes if you're new grab fifth edition and those books are beautiful the production value is is amazing the rules have been tightened down right uh notice that i did not say dungeons and dragons fourth edition um it, it's awful I, i'm <laughs> it, it's awful right and and we'll talk we could talk about why it's awful and and you know the the joy that Pathfinder brings to the universe, but you know that um, Neverwinter is based on Fourth E, right? Which is perfect because Neverwinter is a video game. Yes, and that's exactly what Fourth. That was the problem with Fourth Edition. We're wildly off. We we need like a train crashing graphic to go around <laughs> on the screen when we go off the rails, but. Um, but that's that was the three five was good when they redid three five to make four. They wanted to piggyback off the World of Warcraft craze, um, EverQuest, Rune, right? All those online things. So they made the game play like an online game, and and that just ruined the experience. Most people sat around the table going, "With I've got to do all this housekeeping." No crap! I could just play World of Warcraft, and the computer does it all for me. So, right, right. so, um, so to be of... fair, I have never played Fourth Edition, but I have read the rules. Right. Um, the other big selling point for Five E is that the community is so active, and if you run into issues, you are more likely to find a crowdsourced solution to a Five E issue than you are an AD and D or a Three Point Five. Yes. Yeah. And the, the community around role playing games tends to be um, very, very positive and, and supportive. So if you do run into issues, seek out Reddit, seek out Twitter, 
um, you'll find answers. You'll get answers, yep. So high fantasy games, you could play any version of D&D. You're yep. most likely to pick up 5e. But if you don't, if that's all you know, but you're not totally sold on the system, what else is there? Uh, Pathfinder. Okay. From Paizo. And I know that you have... You have... You have this. You have similar issues with Paizo that I have with with um, Hasbro. So, but Pathfinder, there's a first and second edition of Pathfinder. Um, it came out of the three five to four zero D and D conversion. Basically, when people rejected version four of Dungeons and Dragons, they wanted a game that played like three five, but was a little bit more streamlined. Um, and Paizo, the com- Paizo company, plugged into that, tapped into that need, and they produced a massively popular uh, high fantasy roleplay game called Pathfinder. So Paizo, Pathfinder, uh, Dungeon Crawl Classics is another high fantasy. So we keep using this term high fantasy. What's low fantasy? Uh, well, so I imagine high fantasy being orcs and elves and trolls and magic and otherworldly gods and portals to realms of fire and lots of the very very fantasy tropes that you tend to experience particularly in mainstream media okay so then if there's a high fantasy there's a low fantasy yeah and that's my baby yes um so i so if we're thinking high fantasy and we want to equate that to to books and movies uh c.s lewis chronicles of narnia high fantasy low fantasy um so i would put that one in a middle ground really I, it would lean Talk, it talking would, animals and magical lions and so witches it leans closer to high fantasy okay sure um but magic isn't something that is totally accessible to everyone um, yeah. which is why i tick that down a little bit okay tolkien um so again that's sort of a middle ground where the majority of it is high fantasy you've got orcs being summoned from summoning pools and um ring wraith hell beasts uh however again magic isn't something that is totally accessible to just anybody and everybody so so what's your perfect high fantasy genre film or how about ron how how about willow um yeah yeah willow is high fantasy okay um anybody can become a wizard i suppose that's true of tolkien right you could just study it long enough there's no innate magic i don't know i'm not quite sure how about um i think harry potter is a high fantasy yeah i think well yeah it's contemporary high fantasy though i'll put that qualifier in there because it's not medieval high fantasy right right trying to think of other authors i would throw in that high fantasy or other movies willow's a good one uh salvatore i mean like yeah ari salvatore all of the the legend of drizzt faerun stuff is is yeah fantasy yeah Um, well that's based in dungeons and dragons so it's really hard i mean so for me i try to look for appendix n and we've i've talked i've thrown that appendix n out a couple of times that's an appendix in one of the original D manuals where the authors talk about their inspiration for the game right right 
and there's there's the high fantasy is token i i think c.s lewis is high fantasy um warcraft so the warcraft universe all of the warcraft universe is high fantasy um so low fantasy is where magic isn't as prevalent when i think low fantasy i'm thinking uh any of the lankmar games right yeah. fritz lieber right the fafford and gray mouser um they're rogues and fighters and more often than not uh, they are defeating magicians because magic is bad. Sure. Or it's, it's used for bad purposes primarily. I, um, I think of Redwall for low fantasy. That's what clicks right away. Okay. Um, and that's, uh, you know, talking animals, but it's not magic and it's not fantastical worlds with yep. flying creatures and all of this. It's very grounded in reality, but it's not fantasy it is but it is so the game of thrones books so i I'll, yes. I'll 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 throw it out there i don't watch the tv shows um i, I was reading show. i have not seen the show um i have read all the books i loved the books and everyone's like ah the show's okay but it's it doesn't really track with the books and it's like don't want to hear it you know when when i read the last couple books then i'll go back and watch the show but i want to I want to experience the story through the books, right? So in the books, which I'm not going to spoil the books. I mean, it's probably too late now to spoil them anyway. But, right, magic is not fantastic, right? <clears throat> yeah. Magic isn't a real thing for most people. It's it's gritty. That's the other thing with low fantasy is it tends to be more uh, gritty and um, I don't want to use the word dark, but uh, – Monday. No, you know, actually, it's not really where I was headed. I was like the big sprawling epics of The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings and C.S. Lewis's work. Um, you know, in a lot of low fantasy stories, I'm just a guy who's trying to get by. Like, I, I'm I'm not this epic, massive hero. I'm just some. Go ahead. We we forgot Skyrim and the. Uh... The, the universe of Tamriel as being mm -hmm. high fantasy. That's we did. something that is accessible to people. We did. Or um, where do they have Dragon Age? Ooh, I don't remember yeah. the world name for that one. I just know the Elysians are bad. <laughs> and Ozamar. I always play a dwarf, so I know where Ozamar is on the map, but I don't like being on the surface because I'm going to fall into the sky. Yeah. So, so yes, uh, low fantasy being more mundane, you were saying. Yeah, so more mundane, more grounded, less less of that epic, I'm the one person who's going to take the ring to Mordor and, and save the world. Mm -hmm. It's more like, yeah, my friend has a runny nose because a wizard two towns over is casting this stupid spell, so we're going to go beat the crap out of him so he stops casting his spell. And on the way, you know, if we find some extra gold by you know being highwaymen or it's just very anti-hero anti-epic kind of thing so that's the high fantasy versus your low fantasy right so high fantasy systems would be D, &D any one of them D, &D um, pathfinder. pathfinder so so i will make the gripe that pathfinder did not grip me in the way that it gripped you because if i want to play a 3.5 clone 
I'm just going to go play 3.5, and if I want to play the most recent thing, I'm going to go play 5e. I will, however, concede that the class diversity in Pathfinder is... It leaves D&D a little bit wanting, but I think that that's okay because they're different systems meant for different things. But there are very, very cool classes in Pathfinder. I like the breadth in Pathfinder. That's why I pref- I don't. I really both. I play either system. I really don't care. Right. Um, I like the breadth of Pathfinder's universe, where I find the D and D fifth edition three five through five zero edition D and D. When we talk about the land of Faerun, um, is kind of it feels limited to me. Yeah. It feels it feels limited into the classic Dungeons and Dragons high fantasy trope. Mm-hmm. In Pathfinder, right? There's a whole action. Uh, there's a whole um, action path set of modules um, for pirates. There's a there's a whole uh, Asian based jade serpent adventure path, which is more um, Chinese. The architecture is more Chinese. The story is more. So that's it's the diversity mm-hmm. in in the the diversity in the world, the diversity in the style of adventures. Um, and yes, everything happens on a planet, um, but you know, you don't have the. It's kind of like what what Dungeon Crawl Classics does, right? If if I want to play a pirate, I just stay in the in the shackles, which are a bunch of islands where there are pirates and gunpowder. Right. And if I want to play samurai and ninjas, I go over to the Empire of the Jade Serpent and I stay in that space. If I want to be in a tropical jungle, right? There's or um, Ustralov is the gothic vampire-y um space so that's 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 what i think attracts me to pathfinder is that diversity and you're not right you're not tied to certain things i think dungeons and dragons tried to break out of that with uh the curse of strahd yep right And, and and so they they have these these adventures that will break you out of the traditional right Oh, I'm at Waterdeep, and I'm going to go north, which means I'm going to hit this town and this town and that town and this town. And sure. Oh, now I'm in Luskin, and these are the people who run Luskin, and we know that because there are 90 books about <laughs> 90 books set in the city of Luskin. But uh, then there's Dungeon Crawl Classics for high fantasy. Yeah. Um, there's Hackmasters, which is another um, role-play game system I'm not familiar with. Tunnels and Trolls is another one that that's from Flying Buffalo. Um, the nice thing with Tunnels and Trolls is they offer single player adventures. Okay. So it's a DMless. So you are you. It's it's almost like a Which Way book okay. uh, with a bunch of mechanics on it. It's very cool. You should okay. check it out if you haven't ever seen it. I yeah I I my I immediately had to ask how do you play a role playing game alone? Isn't that just reading a book like? It's so it's like the Which Way books, um, but there are choose your own adventure. Choose your own adventure, um, but there is some dice rolling, and of course you don't you you create your character and then open up the book and read page one. 
And then when there's a decision point or a fighting point, you know, if you've succeeded in beating the troll, turn to page 53. If the troll, you know, handed you your butt, turn to page 7. Okay, very cool. I will look at that later. Um, and then low fantasy, you mentioned Lankmar. So there's a couple of different variants of Lankmar. There's Dungeon Crawl Classics Lankmar. There's Savage Worlds Lankmar. Um, and I put RuneQuest in low fantasy, and I think that's wrong. Okay. I think RuneQuest Glorantha. Let me try that again. RuneQuest Glorantha is belongs in its own category because it is it is an epic like the Odyssey or the Iliad. It is kind of a yeah, that's epic fantasy. Some it, it is you know Beowulf. Sure. Those kinds of those kinds of massive stories, and it's just a completely different look and feel. I mean, yes, there are classes. Um, everyone plays a human, which is which is neat. Um, well, and and, and the author is very clear. Um, there are non-human races, but their physiology and psychology are so wildly different that it's irresponsible to ask a human player to try to put themselves into a, you know, I'm a creature who spawned from a plant and I've been in the same spot for 200 years. And now you're asking me to go do this thing over here. You can't. Go. Role play. And, and you can't, right? You can't do you it. Can't. That's, a, you that's can't outstanding. Do it. That's a, a really interesting perspective on role playing. Yes. Yeah. So, so that's, I, that's another game that I want to get onto the table one of these years, but. No, so that's no, does RuneQuest? that that's RuneQuest Glorantha. That's the new release from uh, the Chaosium. You, I have the PDF for that, right? Yes, you do. All right, I will give that a skim as well. Um, so I think that covers. You know, does that uh, cover your generic fantasy? Yeah, I think so. Because then I see on our list we're going to move into. Um, branded or intellectual property style fantasy games yeah so what if i want you know i want to play a fantasy game but i want to do it in a world that i'm familiar with so if i've read the aria salvatore books and i know about Faerun, i probably want to play DD because that's a world that i feel comfortable feeling like i could be a part of you know but there are other tabletop rpgs modeled for specifically for other ips and universes that we might have come to know um you picked up yep. lord of the ring the one ring last gen yes. con two gen cons ago, gen cons ago. yep um, and it is fabulous you that's what you were saying uh do you want to do like a couple bullet points about why that is so good and what so, differs it from like 5e so it is a high fantasy game set in Middle Earth. The um, the books themselves are award winning, so they've won Ennies. I, I don't know the exact awards, but I think they won an Ennie award. Um, and it is the so there is a book for Erebor. So if you love the Misty Mountains and Dwarves, the Erebor book talks all about that. Um, there's a book for Rivendell if you're, you know, into elves and, and that kind of stuff. There's a, sorry, I'm not a big elf fan. 
So um, that the source books are directly from the Lord of the Rings material them, the, themselves, not the movies, the books. Mm-hmm. Um, the system, the crunchy bits are very much in line with the theme of the books and the movies. You form a fellowship. It's not called a party, right? It's called a fellowship. And you might say, oh, that's just window dressing party, you know, copy paste party replaced with fellowship. You don't. You actually, when you form your fellowship, you get points for your fellowship. You have fellowship points that you can use. Um, There's a corruption mechanic. So as you're adventuring and you're moving through Mirkwood, there's a source book on Mirkwood, right? And the enemy is corrupting you or you you come in contact with a ray a nazgul or something right that corruption is going to cause you to do things you might not want to do um you can use fellowship points to to right hey we're all going to get together and we're going to have this meal and we're going to relax and rest and recharge uh there's also there's a seasoning season system so there's an adventure season and there's a home front season. So I go off and I adventure, right? Just like in The Hobbit, Bilbo goes off with the dwarves and has his adventure and then he comes home. And then there's a whole chapter on in the book, the bunch of mechanics for, yep, I'm back at Bag End and you know the Sackville Bagginses have sold all my silver and I've got to... Make sure my farm gets tended and my friends, I have to hang out with my friends to build up fellowship points or to get rid of corruption. And so it's very, the mechanics lead you into that feeling of a, I'm playing a token game in Middle Earth. Nice. Very different. I I skimmed those books a little bit. Um, and from what you have described to me, uh, both before now and, and just now, um, if if Tolkien and Middle Earth are your bag, then Lord of the Rings: The One Ring might be a better system for you than Five E. So I'm gonna throw. I'm not gonna throw. I'm not gonna take us off the rails. But they also make. There's also a company that is publishing um, fifth edition versions of One Ring materials. Okay. So if you love token but your group is a hardcore fifthy like oh we played fifth edition for four years i don't want to learn a new system i don't want to get a weird 12-sided die with a gandalf rune and a sauron rune like i don't don't want to do that i don't want to learn all this new fellowship stuff i just want to play i basically want to play fifth edition DD mechanics in a middle earth environment those books exist as well so a lot of the times when we start talking about these genres and settings, they will be multi multi mechanic. They'll span multiple mecha- mechanical systems. Right. And the part of the joy of being the person running these games is that at the end of the day, you can say whatever you want about whatever you want. So if you want to change a mechanic or change a rule or change a bit of lore, you can. As long as everybody at the table is cool with that. Yeah, or you don't tell them. Right. <laughs> um, outside of Lord of the Rings, uh, we mentioned Harry Potter earlier as being um, relatively high fantasy. 
And mm-hmm. uh, I did a little poking earlier today, and there are actually handfuls of of home written Harry Potter universe tabletop role playing games, uh, most of which are entirely available for free on their respective websites. So it's a lot of stuff that people have sort of home brewed. Um, I don't know that any of it is like official and and licensed, but um, if you want to play something in a in a Harry Potter universe, then then that sort of content is is out there and available. You just have to to dig in and find which one appeals to you. Um, I have not played any of those. I have not either. Okay. So. We won't so say then, too much more about that. Uh, I do. I have picked up the the book for Dragon Age. So if we're moving on, we can move on from Harry Potter. Um, the video game Dragon Age, wildly popular. Yep. Um, they have a role play game book. Oh, Dingleberry, Low Fantasy, Song of Fire and Ice role play game from Green Ronin. Same company as as. Okay. So there is a. Um, Game of Thrones roleplay game that implements the low fantasy. Sorry, I didn't mean to skip. It. I told I told you we would skip things, right? You, you did. It's you, you. You can't remember them all. There's too no. Many. But I but I have to go back and mention that because of course I kicked George R. R. Martin at Gen Con. I, the clarification is that you kicked a cosplayer of George R. R. Martin. We don't know that for sure. I said, Mr. Martin, I'm very sorry. And he said, oh, that's okay. And he walked away. So Yeah, okay. I'm saying I kicked George R. R. Martin. All right. You probably didn't, but you can. I probably that. did. But I'm going to, I'm going to, that's, that's a good story. So have you made it through the Dragon Age rules? I have read it. I haven't played it. It okay. uses the AGE system, which is similar, which is the same mechanical system as Blue Rose, which we'll talk about uh, further on. Okay. Uh, but it's a D6 system. There is a set of dice that are one color and a stunt die that's a different color, and it's it's got a kind of a savage world feel. You know, you roll the stunt die. If you roll high on the die, um, who cares about the mechanics right now? We're talking about genre. So Dragon Age. Well, well, we. We can get into mechanics a little bit. Um, yeah, we're we're about halfway through, and we still have another page of games to get through. So so let's move. So Mouse Guard, right? You talked about Red Wall. Yes. Um, Mouse Guard is based. So Mouse Guard is a graphic novel, um, similar to Red Guard, Red Wall, or the Secret of Nim movie. Uh, basically, anthropomorphic mice living in a society. Uh, if you like the plaid hat board games um is that not just called mouse guard mouse guard is the is the role play game i'm thinking about the board game with the mice i thought it was called uh mice and mystics mice and mystics thank you yeah so yeah if you're a big fan of the mice and mystics board game and you're looking fun. for a role play game right mouse guard is is up there we gotta um, play mice and mystics again we do that, that was a good one that was a good one. And I like I grew up reading Redwall, so I don't know that I could convince my friends to play a a tabletop role playing game set in a hey, we're gonna be talking mice with sewing needles for swords. Um but I could get people to play mice and mystics. Yeah. Yeah. Um and then there there's more than one now, right? Or is there just the one 
More than one what? Star Wars RPG. Oh, so you're going to jump to sci-fi. So there are a couple of Star Wars. So there's the original West End game Star Wars from the 1980s. Oh, okay. Okay. That was before me. <laughs> and and then there is the Fantasy Flight large amount of Star Wars material using their Genesis roleplay system. Right. That's the one that I have. Yes. Yep. Um, so, yeah. So if we're hopping over to Star to sci-fi so that's those yeah. your fantasy and that's that's not it right there are many 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 other many fantasy games that you can play um i think i mentioned Hackmasters. i've seen it on the shelf i've never picked up the book um i just i, I have enough role play games i have enough yeah. books <laughs> um but moving into sci-fi um yeah. i know you wanted to start with star wars well, that's that's okay. Uh, I mean, we, we touched on which it. Is, they know that which it's is, out there. That's an intellectual property that everybody's kind of familiar with. Um, that is there are. That's also kind of on a on an upsurge since the Mandalorian has come out and yes. the new movies. A lot of people are are thrilled with that, right? Yeah. Um, other sci-fi based on um, intellectual properties. Savage Worlds has a Flash Gordon game. So the movie Flash Gordon, Flash, I know you probably don't know Flash Gordon. I don't know what that is. <laughs> Flash, just Google it. It's There's a couple of good movies, Flash Gordon. He's a Connecticut and King, is like Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's Court kind of thing where you know, an everyday man gets thrown to uh, an alien world and has to come to terms with it kind of thing. Kind of like a John Crater of Mars style story. You mean John Carter? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, okay. I gotcha. Yep. It's an Edgar Rice Burroughs style adventure, you know, swashbuckling, um, that kind of thing. When we talk about sci-fi games, I think the one that I want to talk about the most is Traveler, yeah, which was yeah. one of the first. So Metamorphosis Alpha came, came Traveler came out. Um, Traveler's on its fifth edition. There are multiple forks. In the, so if you can start talking about the Traveler universe, there's a whole – we could do three or four shows on the history of Traveler. But Traveler's the quintessential sci-fi um, role-play game. Okay. Okay. Um, there's a whole backstory. Um, the nice thing is that the universe is so massive and faster than light travel is still only relatively – I mean – if you can travel faster than light, you can only travel so much faster than light, and a 500 million light year jump is going to take you thousands of years. So you can right. have your own little universe. Here's my little universe. There's 12 star systems, and we're off on this part of the galaxy, and everyone leaves us alone. So you don't have – it's one of those – again, you get the diversity. Like you can play a Imperium, follow the canon calendar um, – story or you can just like yeah we got five or six planets over here and this is our deal kind of thing so uh traveler um and then starfinder right which is the so just before you before you get past it uh yeah because i know you you have told me much of traveler bullet points what mechanically separate like fl fluff wise we know right sci-fi right. is very different from the D D 5e world mechanically are there any glaring differences so it de it depends um that's not an easy question to answer that 
because the Traveler universe. So so the Traveler universe has got two large camps, if you will. Um, Mongoose Publishing has published a softer, friendlier version of Traveler, the Mongoose Traveler, um, and that is kind of a classic sci-fi. Um, it's streamlined mechanics, and they've taken a lot of the uh, crunch out of the game. Okay. Okay? I just got the T5 set, which I love. Um, is that Traveler 5th Edition? 5th Edition. Written, Mark Miller is the original author. He just finished that Kickstarter. Um, and I have my black, my big black books. Uh, and you need a physics book. If you want to do spaceship combat, there are actual equations that you have to calculate to figure out, you know, if if my spaceship has a mass of 900 metric tons and I'm accelerating at 3 Gs, how long is it going to take me to get from here to there? So I I love that cuz I like physics. I like I like I like physics and math. Okay, I'm sorry. I like it. So um don't ever apologize. You can you can play if you want to get down to that level of I'm going to build this spaceship. I'm going to have 900 metric tons. It's going to travel at this speed and this rate. And how long is it going to take me to get? If you want to do that kind of very heavy scientific game, Traveler T5 is your is your baby. If you just want to be, I, I'm in a you know I'm a in a CD Space Ranger bar and I'm going to jump on a spaceship with my buddy here and we're going to go you know to some planet and and try to figure out how who has algolian sun tiger teeth so we can mix a pangalactic gargle blaster right that's <laughs> mongoose traveler it could also be starfinder and it could be starfinder because so starfinder is paizo's and and we'll probably get flack for this because there's science fiction right Yep. And there's science fantasy. Oh, okay. Okay. I mean in my in my rattle. Fantasy brain, is just a deeper fiction. So I don't think you're wrong by saying science fantasy is science fiction. So so in, in my head's traveler, alien, and gamma world to, to a, a smaller extent are your science fiction. Like there's no magic. Okay. So in, in in science, okay. in science fiction, there's technology. There might be advanced technology. You don't know how it works, but you know, I, I've got a blaster pistol. I jump on a spaceship. We go into hyperspace. Blah 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 blah. Yeah. Right. Where science fantasy, in the Starfinder world, I can still be an elf, and I can still cast spells. Like I have magic. I have spell slots, and I can cast spells, and 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 that kind of thing. So. Okay. I separate those those two. Sure. Right, and then Mutant Crawl Classics and Gamma World. There, so there's and start. We got to talk about Shadowrun. Okay. Or else Shadowrun, I think, is in that science fantasy because there's orcs sure. and elves and dwarves. Oh, go ahead. No, I just I just don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. So Gamma World. Gamma World. Um, Gamma World and Mutant Crawl Classics. Uh, Numenera. For, for some for some folks and I'll even throw Pugmire and the monarchies of Mao in there um, these are all post-apocalyptic games so the Ralph Bakshi movie 
wizards, right? Oh man, yes. So, um, Thundar the Barbarian, that cartoon, right? Yeah, you know, the idiots in the 20th century nuked each other, and a hundred years or a thousand years later, boom, right? Survive. Okay. So, from a video game standpoint, right? Fallout. Sure. So if you are a big fan of Fallout and you want to turn that into a tabletop RPG, look at Gamma World. And Gamma World Classic. and New Crawl Classics. And then I threw Pugmire and the Monarchies of Mao in there as well because those are, um, they kind of fit in with Numenera as well. I right. Know, they, they, those go back to low fantasy, right? Because Pugmire is is uh, Mouse Guard, but with dogs. But... Right? No, so kind of, kind of, sort of, but not really. Um, the the premise in Pugmire and Monarchies of Mao is the cat version of Pugmire. So think, so we'll just stick with Pugmire because it's easier to say. Yeah. Uh, fifth edition D and D mechanics, the setting, your anthropomorphic dogs, but you are in a post-apocalyptic world. Okay. So there is still, there are the ruins in the land. It's high fantasy because there's magic. Mm-hmm. Um, the ruins strewn about the land uh, are uh, the the leavings of man, right? And the religion that the dogs follow is kind of this uh, canon of man. Be a good dog. Don't bite anyone who deserves it. Um, so it's... Right. Whatever happened to human humanity, we've lost the planet. We're dead. We've been gone for thousands of years. And these uplifted dogs are now running the show. They've made it technology-wise to a high fantasy space with magic. And they find they find runes every once in a while. Sure. But that's not sci-fi. Um, it depends on how you play it. But yeah, so that's that's more of a post so I guess I'm creating an offshoot of sci-fi called post-apocalyptic adventure. And Numenera fits in there too, right? Because it's a billion years in the future. There have been nine we are the, the players are in the ninth civilization, right? Right. There's there there's um talk that the octopi were a civilization. Um they're like special weird creatures uh, in the seas. But yeah, so Numenera, Pugmire. Numenera is... Because um, I, I really liked... Um, I liked that one. We haven't yes. played it yet. Um, but they put out a, uh, a short uh, video about it that I think I shared with you. That was you know two years ago. Yeah, um, but that was really cool. And so, just to elaborate on what Numenera is, um, the Numenera, as they are called, are sort of relics from the past, whatever nine hundred and nine billion years, whatever it is, some immense amount of time. It's a it's a billion. So, from today, it's a billion years in the future. Right. The so, planet Mercury is gone. The, for whatever reason, the planet Mercury is missing in our solar system. Um, and humanity has kind of returned to a feudalistic subsistence agriculture society. 
generic generally, and then there are pockets of technology. Um, there are mechanical people. Uh, there's a a cloud of nanobots called the Iron Wind that blow around the planet, causing all sorts of misery and and heartbreak and and damage. Um, and the people of the ninth world are basically um, it's like role playing in a garbage dump full of half broken toys. Yeah, where the the Numenera are these items that are relics from the past that are potentially partly technological and potentially partly magical. Um, if you are if you're somebody who uh, has played. 5e or pathfinder or something and you really like unique and interesting magic items like if that's why you play the game so that you can have your hand on all these goodies that do weird things uh look at numenera because that is the whole thing is about these weird quirky half cyber half magic item relics um and that would be something that i know i i can think of a couple people that would really like that yeah Okay, Shadowrun. Shadowrun, yep. So Shadowrun is um, science low fantasy. So think Blade Runner with orcs and dwarves and elves. Okay, good summary. Right? <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's I I haven't played it. I've read um, I've read the Quick Start a couple of times, um, but I haven't ever had a chance to play it. So okay. Um, that's, and and we mentioned Alien at the very beginning of the show. Yeah, that's that is that is if you like the movies, that is a role play game based on the movies. You're fighting xenomorphs or running away from xenomorphs. That that one has a very interesting stress mental breakdown mechanic, which I'm looking forward to experimenting with on Monday. Very cool. Um, so if you are if you like that sort of stress mental breakdown, what if you want to go darker than sci-fi? What if you want to go into the realm of of horror tabletop RPGs? Well, then you've got to talk about Call of Cthulhu from Chaos. Well, why don't you? So, and Call of Cthulhu is another one that's been around for a long, long time. It's like Traveler and Dungeons and Dragons. It's it's. Um, the nice thing with Call, Call of Cthulhu also has multiple genres. Classic Call of Cthulhu is played in the 1920s. The 1920s, so 100 years ago. Um, there, yeah, 100 Whoa. years ago. Whoa. Um, there is a Victorian Call of Cthulhu. There, there's a lot of different genres, but it's basically the uh, work of H.P. Lovecraft. It's a horror role-play game. Uh, so kind of like Alien, Alien is set up as a horror role-play game, but Call of Cthulhu is you are traditionally your average folks. You're just generic people, right? The the last game I played with my buddies out in Ohio, we were um, we were visiting uh, Moncton, Vermont. Moncton, Vermont, I don't think exists. Willowton, Willow, Willowton, 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 Vermont, which doesn't exist, for a Halloween festival and it was 1920 uh, Halloween 1927 and we were you know bobbing for apples and we were going on a we were going to go to the, have a dinner and then there was a corn maze and some boy scouts 
disappeared in the corn maze. And the town drunk was angry that his family farm was being sold to out-of-towners. Um, and he was causing all sorts of commotion. Uh... Okay. And then all of a sudden, pets start to go missing. And we find uh, a discarded knife and way more blood than should be uh, by the town drunk's apartment, you know, backstairs to his apartment. And things start to unravel and, and it goes so H Call of Cthulhu games traditionally and my my buddy said this, Dan told me this. He goes, if you are reaching for a pistol, you're probably just gonna shoot yourself. <laughs> like if you're if you're if you're a character that wants to kick butt and beat monsters, don't play Call of Cthulhu. Because most of the monsters are incomprehensible. Yeah. And and like the end of the game, my character was the only character to survive. Um, no, two of us survived because we had gone down to um, Worcester and bought dynamite. <laughs> we had we had gone down to Worcester, Mass, bought dynamite, drove back to Willowton um, because there was this weird rock that was always warm. It was, you know, chilly because it's Vermont on in in Halloween and this weird rock is humming and it's really warm and we're like, we don't know what it is, but maybe it just shouldn't be here anymore. We'll get rid of it. We're going to blow it up. Very uh, 1920s of you. We didn't blow up the rock because by the time we got there, um, we had the dynamite close to the rock uh, something crawled out from under the rock and took the form of a jack-o'-lantern with tentacles and started chasing us. So we lit the dynamite, and unfortunately, one of our colleagues tripped. He it was he went to the costume party dressed as Mae West, um, broke a heel because he failed a, a escape roll. He botched an escape roll, um, and he exploded with the dynamite. Oh no. <laughs> He was bait, basically, for the monster. Terrific. That's the only reason. That's the only reason we all got away is because Rocky was bait. Terrific. <laughs> but that's that's that horror. It's very, it's very dark. Um, and and the the whole idea behind the the Call of Cthulhu is you're just average folks tossed into this weird situation. Other dark role play games, Vampire. The whole world of darkness, right? Darkness, darkness is in the title. Um, those those games can go one of two ways, right? If you're playing Vampire the Masquerade from White Wolf Games, um, you can either be playing a very introspective, you know, what is, think, interview with a vampire, if you've read the book or seen the movie. Like, what has happened to me? Why am I like this? I'm not really sure. I, sh I should be killing people to, subs to continue my existence yeah you uh, described it as superheroes with fangs so so that's the other style of game right that's superheroes so there's the angsty personal horror um and rice style game mm -hmm. um and then there is the vampire diaries twilight yeah I'm a, you know i'm fabulously wealthy and wildly attractive to the opposite sex and i have fangs and i'm gonna do cool things um so that's your your vampire, then where you know, werewolf, mage, changeling, wraith, that whole world of darkness. There are lots of, lots of 
cool stories and cool games that you can play. Um, I think when we played, we tried, we were watching Lost Girl on on Netflix, and we tried to do a mix, a mixture of Changeling and Vampire, which it was okay. Yeah, it was okay. It was okay, but it, it, it didn't go where I wanted it to. And no, that would have been better if you didn't have me at that table, but that's okay. Yeah, you're, you're a problem player. We'll talk about your type of problem players in a different show. Yeah. So, moving on. Well, what I, a... I want to oh, go add, ahead. I, I want to add Ten Candles. Oh, yeah, talk about Ten Candles. Because um, that's one that I played uh, when I was home for Thanksgiving with uh, one of my buddies. And he had played it a couple times um, with a group of people um, that had not played any tabletop RPGs before. Um, and so Ten Candles is a really, uh, really good um, newbie roleplay game where the, the rules and the, the crunch of it are, are very, very small. And you do the bulk of that together. And then the entirety of the rest of it is roleplaying and fluff. So you've got, uh, you light 10 tea light candles around a dish that is non-flammable. Um, and it's best to play in the dark. Obviously, it's a horror game. Um, and so at the beginning, when you're doing character creation, everybody writes down um, something uh, good. Uh, I forget what they call it, like a virtue. Um, and so it's something that is virtuous about your character. So maybe you're heroic. Maybe you are confident. Um, then you write down, you, then you pass that off to, I think it goes right doesn't matter um and then you write a vice so you're an alcoholic you are a coward uh you have a prosthetic limb we had two people in our game with prosthetic limbs um and then you pass that to somebody else and then uh you write a um a, a moment where you could be heroic and then you write a, a brink which is you know the the farthest that you'll go before you know, you'll only go there if you break. Um, and then over the course of the evening, when scenes change or if characters die, you extinguish candles. And whenever a candle is extinguished, you sort of move on to the next scene and uh, everybody establishes some truths about the scene. So you might be trying to retrieve gasoline from a truck and you might roll for it and the truck explodes and people go around the table saying what their truths are and it was there was fresh food and water in the truck um the truck would not have exploded if we had done this uh my character found a penny on the ground because you wanted a penny like um it's very very storytelling directed and is not crunchy everybody rolls from the same pool of dice which slowly gets smaller um but that one is is very thematic uh very rp heavy light on rules and excellent for first time role players. Um, moving so along. Oh. moving so I'm one on the dark humor side of things, there's paranoia. Yes. So this is more of this is kind of a sci-fi game. Uh, your clones, you're in a closed biodome environment thing. You don't know why. Um, there's an insane computer that runs your life and you basically take orders from the computer. Everyone is out to get you. Character creation is fantastic because 
it goes round robin. So if I take two points in strength and I hand the card to John, he now takes a minus two in a stat. Interesting. And and that's how you do care. So I'm I'm always taking a positive. I take a negative stat from the person who's handing me the you know hey i'm gonna take three in firearms great now i have to take a minus three in something thanks jerk i'll take a, i'll take a minus three in diplomacy right I, I, I'm, or i've got guns what do you need your words for or if you take a minus if you take a three in firearms i'll take a minus three in combat now you have to fight the whole time jerk and you create these little minor animosities between the players um there is a happiness officer who's responsible to make sure everyone in the party is happy there's a political officer to make sure that nobody is a traitor and everyone obeys the computer uh the computer has a random deck of cards and it'll make just make a wild malfunction like hey you need to go uh, replace all of the toilet all of the hockey pucks in the urinals in the lavatory on level seven you get to level seven and you realize that it's a food processing plant and there are no lavatories. Well, if you tell the computer it was wrong, right, the political officer should shoot you. Right. And you have six you have six clones. So it's okay. If you end the game with all six clones, you've done something wrong. Very you actually don't get as much experience points uh, as the other people. Hmm. So parent paranoia, it's kind of dark, it's very dark. Uh, but it's a humor. It's got that dark humor element to it. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to other genres. And then we'll, we can kind of, I mean, the thing is we could keep going, right, with genres. Right. We've got, right. We've got pirates on the list here. There's a bunch of pirate games. Um, there's a Pathfinder. We've already talked about the Adventure Path for Skull and Shackles. Mm-hmm. Uh, pirates of the Spanish Main is from Pinnacle Entertainment that uses the Savage World rules. So it's the, the role play game, the role play game based okay. on the collectible card ship game from the 1990s. Yeah, because that okay. was rad. And then the 50 Fathoms is another uh, pirate fantasy game. Uh, also, also from Pinnacle Entertainment Group uh, uses the same mechanics, but it's a different basically the you sail through the Bermuda Triangle in our world and you sail into a world that is basically flooded except for some small archipelago of islands and it's it's uh it's neat there's magic right so it's more of a fantastic fantasy pirate uh model and then there's seventh sea which we should spend a little bit of time talking about seventh sea so yeah yeah no you you, you we, like seventh sea a lot we've we've played it a couple times it, it is it's fabulous the the Difficulty with some groups with 7C is the mechanics. So it is wildly different mechanically than a lot of other roleplay games where you, you you have a character sheet, you have stats, but you when you collect a dice pool and roll the dice, you, the player, tell the story based on the number of successes that you rolled. So they're called raises. The, the the I roll, right? I'm in a I'm in a a scene, and the and the storyteller, the GM sets the scene. You're at was it a, I was at a game, um, we were at the finale of of the seventh C game I was playing, and I was a I was 
Giuseppe, the Vidacci rake. Um, and there was a book. There's an ancient tome that we had to recover for a lady. But at the very end, we think the lady might be dirty. We think she's been using us this whole time. And the monks that were taking the book from are saying, oh, no, please don't take the book, you know. Um, and so I, I go, well, I'm going to try and diffuse the situation. Here's the, That's the setup. We're in the basement of the library. There are two. There's a. We think this is the book. Giuseppe's going to pull it off the shelf. And then I said, I'm going to use sleight of hand and wits to try to fake out the lady and see if she reacts. And so the GM said, okay, well, so I, I roll. Yeah. And I said, okay, so I got four raises. So I'm going to confidently walk over and go, this is the book. I did a bad Italian accent for this character. And so that's raise number one. Raise number two I'm going to quietly use my tinderbox while I actually raise number one. I know where the book is on the shelf, but I'm going to make a big deal of looking for the book to buy myself a little time yeah. with raise number two. I'm going to use my tinderbox and sleight of hand to get a little bit of a fire going in my, in my sleeve. Right. Cause I, I'm, I've got these big lacy, you know, renaissance puffy yeah. shirt kind of thing right and raise number three as soon as i get enough smoke going on that on that cuff i'm gonna pull the book not the right book off the shelf and then raise number four i'm gonna make a big deal about how i open the book and i'm not virtuous and now i'm catching fire because a sinner can never open this book and I'm going to try to make that. I'm going to make that believable, and everybody's going to believe me that I'm on fire. Nice. So, the, so that was. The, I rolled my dice pool, and I, the player, came up with that whole string of consequences or, or activities, right? And then the the GM said, "Okay, based on that, the lady rushes and grabs the book from you. The monks grab water to help you. It's like, aha." Now we know she is dirty and now she's got a book that doesn't belong. Cause I know which one it is and I grabbed the wrong book on purpose. So it's you, you use your raises as the character to tell a story um, where in fifth edition, it would be like, okay, make a deception roll. Okay. I made a deception roll. Yep. You deceive her. She, you know, it, it's a different style of game. So if you have a lot of folks who, uh, are good storytellers. A lot of folks who are good improv. Seventh C, second edition is fabulous for that kind of stuff. Nice. And and Done. the world is massive. The source books detail every single nation. It's basically Thea is uh, Europe. And each of the regions of Europe, the French are the Montaigne's, the Italians are the Vidacci, um, Englisher Avalon, the Spanisher Castile, right? Sure. There, there is a, a, a trope or a culture, cultural equivalent to a lot of European nations. But the books are beautiful, uh, and the world is just totally immersive. Fabulous game, yeah. Very cool. The die rolling sounds similar to Ten Candles, where you sort of have narrative control for a yeah. moment. Yeah, until you do something dumb, and then the GM comes and says, "No, no, no, no! One success doesn't mean you just win the the fight. Right, you right. Score to hit, kind of thing." Um, um, 
I threw Cowboys on here on your list because there's Deadlands, Boot Hill, U.S. Marshals. There's Cowboy genre games. Uh, That's that's a quick listing of it. If you are interested in those, it was Deadlands, Boot Hill, and U.S. Marshals. Um, We've got some options for Steampunk, if you're a fan of those. Uh, Rippers, which is a Savage World system game. Yep. So that's uh, Victorian England with... that's. Jack the Ripper, uh, Frankenstein's Monster, Dracula. It's kind of a horror Victorian steampunky. It's not necessarily steampunk as it's more Victorian, but uh, sure. Space 1889, um, that's your Jules Verne creates. like. So if you like the Jules Verne style books, um, basically... The Nautilus? So, so think the Nautilus in space. Oh man! So, so they create spacecraft that go to Mars, right? John Carter sure. style. So Mars and Venus have been colonized by American, by the Americans and the Brits and the French and the Germans. Um, and there's all sorts of exciting stuff going on. Victoriana is another one that I've seen on the shelf many times. I've looked at it. I've never read the book. Um, and then Through the Breach, if you like the Malifaux. Small Squad Tactics um, miniatures game through the breach is the Malifaux role-play game. Is that set in the same universe or the same faction? It, and- it is. Same factions, Ten Thunderers, Goblins. Um, you don't get to role-play the Resurrectionists, maybe? I'll have to look. I've, again, I've only... That's one that I've pulled off... Pulled off because I have the Malifaux game, the, right, the miniatures right. game. I look at it and go, whoa, I should All right. So then um, others. So I, I put an others down here because I want to mutant and masterminds. There's There are superhero games. Oh, totally. So um, we talked about masks. vampires kind of being... Oh, go ahead. No, no, for, for superhero games, I learned about one over, over this summer called Masks that is... Uh, lots of that is available online. There's a little free pdf starter kit um and that one does superheroes in a easy to understand way um but that is still interesting and then i put blue rose on the list because that doesn't really fit that is a fantasy romance game um so mercedes lackey is is one of the primary authors she's not the author of the game but that genre of literature so it's it's primarily female or feminist authors, and it's a it's high fantasy. There's magic. There's talking horses and talking cats and psychic animals. Um, but the the game isn't kick down a door, beat the crap out of whoever's on the other side of the door, take their gold, walk down the hall, kick down the next door. It's more um, relationship building. You get experience points, and and you. Do progress in the game as you build relationships and and emotional attachments to people. Sure. So, didn't I couldn't really fit it any place. But yeah, no, that makes sense. There's not but very it's, combat it's, heavy, but more RP heavy. And it's a it's a really good game. So, and then I threw in the weird wars. So World War Two, right? So Savage Worlds has one. Octung Cthulhu is the Call of Cthulhu World War Two genre. So there's there are those, um, and then. I put in GURPS because we really haven't talked about GURPS. We haven't also, we, the other one we haven't talked about is Fudge. 
And okay. GURPS and Fudge, I put into a genreless category. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so I, I was going to talk about GURPS last, but we're running close to the end of time here. So. We are at last, so um, go ahead. Yeah, so, so GURPS is a... GURPS is the only one that I am aware of that is truly a, a jack-of-all-trades system where if you have no idea where you want the group to go, um, but you want to have maybe elements of fantasy, maybe elements of uh, high fantasy, low fantasy, maybe you want sci-fi, so your orc barbarian is wielding some sort of laser sword from the 40k universe, um, and then you want to throw them into Victorian England or uh, Renaissance times seafaring, um, cyberpunk. That's about to be really big with Cyberpunk 2077 coming out. Uh, if you want a tabletop roleplay game that you can do cyberpunk in, um, GURPS is GURPS has a little bit of something for everything. Um, and it has and and more, right? So there's I put in. More. In the notes here, I put Aztecs. So if you wanted to just role play a right historically accurate Roman Empire game, right, you can use GURPS. Yeah. If you wanted to do a colonial American experience, GURPS, right? Uh, there are GURPS source books and and enough material out there so that you can run a GURPS. G-U-R-P-S stands for the Generic Universal Roleplay System, right? And that's that's what it's built to do, is to be generic so you can... And the way, the way the mechanics, the way the crunch works, is it's very easy to take um, a Victorian-style game. Like, I'm, I'm going to play H.G. Wells' The Time Machine. So I have a guy, he's a Victorian human being, he jumps in a time machine... And instead of going to the Eloys and the Morlocks, he goes to 1967 Vietnam. Yeah. Okay. And then he is in the middle of a firefight with M16. He's got a Weatherby 38 cavalry pistol revolver, and he's in a firefight with Viet Cong with AK-47s. Mm -hmm. And then he jumps in his time machine, and he goes to the restaurant at the end of the universe— where he meets Zephod Bebo Brox and Ford Prefect and has a drink. Sure. And GURPS, the way GURPS, the mechanics are structured, you can easily do that kind of, of game. Right? Yeah. Um, fate, right. I put Fate up there too. So Fate is the other generic sure. game system. Um, and then Savage Worlds probably belongs on there as well. Okay. So... Um, Really fast, I do want to mention No Thank You Evil because that is one that oh, we yeah, threw that on here looked too. at at Gen Con together. Um, and I, I, we don't have the time to talk about it a lot, uh, but I ran a, I mentioned it in episode one, I ran a therapeutic gaming group my first job out of college, and I recommended No Thank You Evil to other counselors and therapists at the place that I worked. Um, who work with younger kids than me, and they actually picked up a copy and started using it and said that people loved it. So if you're looking for a tabletop role-playing game that isn't all hack-and-slash dungeon crawl with dragons, maybe more appropriate for like 4 to 12-year-olds, um, give a look to No Thank You Evil. Yeah. Um, we did rush through there a little bit at the end, but like we said at the beginning, there is a ton of them, and we probably still missed some. Uh, we missed... Thing. A lot, but yeah. 
We because you have Fiasco on the list and we didn't even talk Fiasco. Right, right. Um, Another show. And I mean, that's when we talk about what to do in the future for shows. We could pick one of these and do a whole show on it. And do a whole show on. Yeah, we could we could do an entire show on Fiasco. But that's gonna be it for this week. Uh, so in summary, um, there are tons of games that you can pick from. How are you supposed to choose? Uh, do you have players? Do they have something that they already want to play? Have they already picked something and asked you to DM? If not, uh, what kind of adventure do they want to play? What kind of adventure do you want to run? How complicated do you want to be? Want it to be crunch versus fluff? Um, and then are there any other considerations? So do you really want to play a Star Wars game? Do you want to play a game with kids? Um, we, I think that we've touched on enough of them so that you have a, a little bit of an idea. Um, if you have anything that you want to hear more about, please shoot us a tweet. I am at jmscota5, or you can tweet at redhoodiegames. Um, but that's going to be it for Set the Table Episode 2. So thanks for tuning in, and we will see you next time. Bye-bye.